1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of footy, Afternoons with Francis Leach for the Volvo Summer Sale on now. 25 minutes past two on your Wednesday. Time to talk the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego who joins me in the studio. Hello, mate. G'day, mate. How are you going? I'm well. No, I'm not. Arsenal rubbish. <laughs> Absolute garbage. Look. To make you feel back better. Back the truck up and tip them out. Francis, oh. I've, I've spent off air the last 10 minutes counselling you. <laughs> this Chelsea team are They're men on a good. mission. They're very, very good. So don't get humbled by that, mate. Uh, get humbled by beating by beating by uh, Hull City and the, and the likes of that team. Oh, Watford midweek. Yeah, Watford, yeah, Watford and, uh, and, and teams that uh, you should always beat every day of the week. Uh, they're the ones you should be embarrassed about. But Chelsea... At the moment, with Conti, you know, driving them, oh, driving them so hard. <laughs> if you get the vision of him ripping into his, manhandling his assistant manager, his assistant coach on the bench because one of his players, and they'd practiced this all week at a set piece at a corner, a player wasn't quite standing in the right spot. And apparently he just ripped into the assistant manager and there's vision of this. I draw attention to detail like that on the <laughs> Arsenal bench. But what I love about Conte as well is that he does he does stage dive into the crowd with every goal. <laughs> it's true. It's like he's in a Nirvana gig. He yeah. just like launches himself at those in the front row. Yeah, see if I did it it would be more painters and dockers. <laughs> But but he's Nirvana, yeah. So, <laughs> Paulie Stewart, I saw him the other day. Oh, really? How, how's he going? All right. Form. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Can we talk a little about the A League and where it's at? It's a really interesting article. Our colleague and good friend Dave Devudovich wrote in the Herald some just a few days ago. And he says at the top of it, in the summer of 2012 and 13, the A-League was the hottest summer property in Australian sport. He talks about the Western Sydney Wanderers and, and, and the arrival of Alessandro Del Piero and Cingiano. It was the hot property. Uh, but now, with Cricket's Big Bash going gangbusters and cramming it into a six-week TV schedule where it owns everything, uh, and with the AFL women's lockout on the weekend suggesting there's going to be even more competition, the A-League, in a sense, has stalled. It's, it's, it's going nowhere at the moment. Is that a fair assessment? Because Dave copped a lot of stick for this uh, fairly honest appraisal of where things are at. Lack of free-to-air coverage. Yep. A 10-team competition that plays three rounds, so there's a sense of uh, ho-hum familiarity about the contest. Um, is he right? Exposure-wise, yes. Absolutely. We don't get the inches in the in the papers. We don't get the, uh, the free-to-air TV, uh, which is so important if you want to put in front of, if you want to put our product in front of the eyes of young kids and, and uh, people looking for a different option other than the cricket or the tennis or the basketball or whatever it may be. But from a, from a I don't think he touches on the, on the quality of the league. And, and he shouldn't because I think the quality of the league, given the fact it's a salary cap league, there's only limited squads, um, the fact that, uh, you know, there's not much money for big marquee players. Uh, I think we're, I think it's a really good quality league. Watching the Friday night Brisbane Raw versus Sydney FC. Now, there's, there are people out there who think this is sacrilege, but a nil-all draw, people think straight away boring. It was the best game of football I'd seen all year. The nil-all draw with the goalkeepers just outstanding, both Theo and uh, Vukovic. So, um, so the quality of the competition I have no problem with. I can watch it. Um, I think it's great. I think uh, we're getting better tactically and we're getting co- coaches, the Australian coaches are getting better and better every week. And our young Australian players are getting better and better every week. But yes, exposure, we're, we're, you know, we're just we're languishing, languishing behind. And, and use the uh, Friday night uh, game between Carlton and Collingwood with the AFLW competition, 20,000 plus a lockout apparently. But the lead into all that, the number of, uh, you know, the uh, uh, AFL women, who are players who are actually on in the media, uh, whether it be print, 
whether it be with us know, here on eleven sixteen, even music radio. I mean, even on the other channels on SEN, there was everyone someone on the, on the different show all the time. All articulate, all excited, all very thankful, and and showing a lot of gratitude about all their hard work is now going to lead to this. There was a real sense that the AFL football family were going to embrace this and support this all the way. It did not surprise me at all. And congratulations to the AFL. It was a marketing masterpiece, a uh, masterstroke. Master but at the same time, you know, congratulations to the AFL family out there because they really backed this. They wanted to go that to see this. I don't know. We've had our W League going in the uh, you know in football. Final this weekend. Corey yeah, final this weekend. Two thousand and eight it started. I don't think if we had the same exposure, and this is a, a bit of an indictment on our on our football family, even though we, we love our sport, we're all passionate. I don't know if we get twenty five thousand to a, a W League game that was you know that had players in the media the way the AFL had them in. It's all really well planned and the strategy was fantastic. I don't know if we'd do that. So it's a whole sport that got behind it. Not only the media, not only the AFL spending money with the, with the marketing, but also. Uh, but also the whole football family getting together, and I think that's what made it a big success on the weekend. Nine forty nine, eleven sixteen. If you want to join the conversation here with Carlos Alberto Diego, uh, the A League, where to next? It's hit a bit of a plateau. What are the things that need to change, uh, and what are the things we need to defend as A League uh, people as well about the game and make sure that we get uh, and retain nine forty nine, eleven sixteen is the number. Get on the phones. Um, Friday night's Fox Footy coverage average audience about one hundred twenty three thousand for Carlton Collingwood. For the Derby, Melbourne City versus Melbourne Victory was 83. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and and again, that was a game full of controversy and talking points. Yeah, and uh, and I, I think um, what worried me a little bit today, uh, I think Dave also had an article today saying the expansion uh, you know, process might be delayed. Uh, now, if you want two teams coming in next season, what are we delaying this expansion process? Why aren't we getting criteria out? Why aren't we... You know, uh, why aren't we transparent with, uh, you know, meeting with these consortiums and, and getting these exciting bids together? Because they're all exciting. They're all well put together. It's not like back in day, in, on day one of the, of the A-League back in 2005 where, you know, apparently the story was Victory had, a, had one really great piece of paper with some, with some detail on it. But now these, these, you know, there's partnerships everywhere with government and, and corporates and, it, it, you know, it, it, there's stadium deals and all that sort of stuff now in, it, integrated with all these bids. Uh, you know, why aren't we, why isn't that a, a, the number one priority right now? And it may well be, but I think there's about 10 other one, number one priorities that the FFA are going to go through at the moment. And part of the problem is that separation doesn't exist. So the FFA runs yeah. the A-League. The A-League is, in some sense, subservient to the other needs of the FFA, which are all the national teams and game development. If the A-League were a separate entity altogether yep. in, in a relationship with the FFA and could prioritise its needs, it might, I'm telling you, it will be different. Right now, that is a difference because I think if the A-League was independent... Uh, organisation right now, uh, free from any influence from the FFA or even just a little bit of influence from the FFA. I think uh, at least the market and the exposure league, could, they could, you know, the owners would plough the money into that. I think right now, there's not, there's a little bit of uncertainty about who has to market this league. Is it the FFA or the clubs? I think there's a real uncertainty about that. You feel that no one really knows what their responsibility is. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Hit the phones. Carlos Alberto Diego with us, talking the world game, talking about uh, where to for the A League at twenty eight to three. Paul's on the road. G'day, Paul. I love my sport, and I've tried to give soccer a go. And um, you know, I think it's a great spectacle, and it's very skillful. But 
when it gets a bit physical and guys are going riding around on the ground, um, it starts to lose me and I have to turn off. And when it happens and it's blatant cheating as well, um, I wish they'd just rub that out of the game because I think I'd, I'd be more attuned to watch it and be involved and go and watch it as well. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks like that as well. And um, I think with this culture of Australian sport as well that maybe they need to do something about that and, and rub it out because, you know, you've got rugby, you've got rugby union, you've got AFL that are physical games and um, that's what appeals to people. So when they see this, um, I think that it loses the appeal sometimes. Thanks for your call. Yeah, look, you know, that, that's been a, a bit of a, a thorn in the side of the game for a long time, and Australians in particular, and I think Americans are another group that just don't tolerate that sort of stuff. And if that's the reason why you don't go to the game, fine. But I think there's more to the game than, you know, the odd simulation that happens now. And again, we don't get a lot of it in Australia, in the A-League in Australia or in the Australian soccer teams. I don't, we don't tend to get a lot of that. But we do witness it when the ACL, you know, in the Asian Champions League, when they come here or in friendly games or you watch it on TV. And I understand why that might put some people off but it's not for me it's not enough to if you're curious about sport you love a a contest uh you know that derby on the weekend was as good a contest as you'd ever see yeah absolutely jason's in mentone you can join us too nine forty nine eleven sixteen. g'day jace g'day how are you well well but i'm just bringing up i used to um get into the a-league when it was on foxtel so i got rid of foxtel to get off this to watch the premier league so I reckon that A-League needs to get back on free-to-air or yeah. off this. Well, you have hit the nail yeah. squarely on the head. And this is the big problem. The sporting landscape has changed so dramatically around the A-League and its business model of uh, predominant pay TV provider. Uh, and with the, the impetus that Big Bash has brought to free-to-air television, the success again of the tennis, huge numbers for that. And now with AFLW, it's, it's disappearing yeah. beneath the waves. And, and will, look, all indications it will be uh, on one of the channels. Uh, at least a game a week plus a magazine show during the week, you will probably see that. Uh, even if it's on the secondary channels of the free-to-air. So that's going to happen. But it'll only be a slow burn because they're only going to get a one game a week. And they'll probably play some Socceroos, a simulcast of the Socceroos or whatever uh, at the same time as Fox too. So uh, it'll be one of those ones where we've got to grow slowly and, uh, and impress the free-to-air investors enough to be able to, for them to say, let's have three or four games a week. Ian's in Bullen. Hello, Ian. Yeah, g'day, fellas. Uh, on uh, Saturday night, I was invited into a corporate box to uh, with a wall stool. His first game of soccer at, of any degree ever. How'd you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I was surprised. I, I enjoyed it. Like the previous callers, all around, all rolling around when they barely touched, I was insane. But as a spectacle, particularly the atmosphere of the crowd, uh, it's something everyone should have a look at. You know, I would go again. There you go. We've won, we've won uh, some hearts and minds there. Good on you, Ian. You, uh, Tex is in Torquay. G'day, Tex. Yeah, g'day, guys. Um, look, I definitely think not being on free-to-air is the number one issue. I've had Foxtel for quite a while until recently, and I wouldn't call myself a soccer fanatic, but I'd, I'd watch a game a week, I reckon. And you would have kept in that, sort of like the mm. narrative of the season. You'd sort of know what was going on, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I've kind of, I feel there's been a definite disconnect. I've, I know what's going on because I listen to what you guys are saying on the radio every week, but... You definitely lose interest, but whereas if it was on, I'd be watching it. Yeah, so there's just so much going on, Tex, at the moment in, in sport, uh, whereas this was traditionally the, the quiet period for the likes of uh, cricket and uh, and uh, also uh, for AFL. Now, with the advent of the uh, AFLW and also the Big Bash, the last couple of years, they've just taken everything 
before them, and uh, and that's why it's a big challenge for for our sport. And again, it's not the quality. If you go and watch a league, if you get a chance to watch it on TV or go to a game, I love the quality. I think the quality is as good as we can get, given the restrictions on the league, given the the fact that the clubs don't have the money to get the best players in the world, given that the salary cap restricted uh, restricted squads and all that sort of stuff, uh, and also trying to get clubs right at the moment still. Uh, given all that, I think our quality is as good as anything uh, you know around the world. Not at the top levels, but maybe the next rung uh, sort of leagues around you know around Europe or even around Asia. Thanks for your call, Tex. Let's get to Greensboro and uh, say g'day to Ken. Welcome, Ken. Oh, g'day, Francis. G'day, Carlos. Um, I've never been to an A League game before, but I take a keen interest. And uh, I, I think Carlos touched on it a minute ago when he said. The AFL family got together. So I went on Friday night, and there was people from every club, and every no one argued. Everyone was happy, and it was a celebration of football. And that's what I think. That's what the A League need to do. Melbourne Victory and Melbourne and City. They um, it seems like they're at war. Instead of working together for the greater good of the game. They seem to be against each other all the time. Yeah, but Ken, behind the scenes, yeah, behind the scenes, I, I know for a fact that the marketing departments do get together and they know each other and they work together as much as possible, which is, I think, normal in this environment, especially if you want to build up your derbies and, and any other sort of, uh, you know, sort of co-produced events uh, that they might be both involved with. But, but on Ken's the field, maybe referring to the tribalism yeah. is part of the culture of the game, but that's also part of its appeal. Of course. I mean, would you ever get Carlton and Collingwood in the AFL working together doing anything? I mean, I mean, that's what real derbies are about. That's what real rivalries about. And uh, we saw a bit of enmity on the weekend between players too, which, uh, which for me, you know, I think that's a great sign. Okay, if you're going to cross the line and, and start being racist and things like that, or alleged allegedly being racist and and uh, you know mob handling referees and stuff like that, that's going overboard. But I, I love it when they're on the edge and anything can happen. I think that's really something that's compelling when you're watching it. It was a great derby. It was the fourth edition of it for this year, and that's part of one of those issues in the bigger discussion: mm. the fact that it repeats so often because of the nature of the competition. But this one, you know, held its own. Um, the red, let's go through a few of the big issues. Red card for Tim Kale. Was, yeah. that, was that an well, overreaction well, from it, Chris Beath, the referee? I read somewhere that the FFA, and again, it's just something in the paper somewhere, uh, the FFA had con- contacted Melbourne City and said that he, it was a mistake. He should have been issued with a yellow card. But I spoke to a couple of referees. One uh, referee that uh, has refereed a really high level and the other who's a decent referee who'd, le- who'd uh, refereed at the MPL level. And both said, if it's a personal personal abuse directed at a referee, and according to Mark Bosnich, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the terms effing disgrace was used at the referee, uh, that's personal, that's direct red card. It's a red card anywhere in the world. Some referees... Uh, are a little bit different and they'll, they'll accept that and they'll work, give a player a second chance and they might pull them aside and say, what did you say? And that gives them a second chance to be able to retract it. Uh, other referees like Chris Beath obviously had enough uh, being, you know, allegedly being told that on the weekend. Um, so I, I think, yes, if you're going to personalise your abuse directly at the referee, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't it be a red card? That offside ruling that wasn't that allowed the winning goal to go in for Melbourne victory off the boot of Manny Musket. Yeah. Explain to people how that works because yeah. the offside rule is a mystery to some. We've had even some greats like Marco Van Basten suggesting that uh, the offside rule should be gotten rid of, which is one of the <laughs> oh, craziest no. suggestions so far this year. Yeah. But um, how was it supposed to work and why wasn't 
Bessar Barisha deemed offside when he was behind Musket as that ball came in from the right. The interpretation side. here, Francis, has to be whether he's interfering with play. Not interfering with the goalkeeper or Musket, but interfering with play. So he influenced play in any way. And he did not influence Musket to get ahead of him and poke it in. Well, I've that. seen a lot of... This is the thing. I've seen a lot of defenders running towards your own goal and not necessarily being aware of what's behind you and trying to clear and score an own goal that way there. So City's argument is that Musket wouldn't have done that if, if Barisha wasn't there, right? So there's an argument for him to be offside and the goal to be disallowed. There's another argument that Bazanis may have been distracted by him being in that position too. But I got it, like I said, on, Friday, on Saturday night, I got a text message from a really high-profile referee who said, I don't know why the, there's any arguments. That is clearly a goal. So the player wasn't it wasn't interfering with play, and in fact, it was uh, probably that was probably a greyer greyer one than the previous derby earlier this year, where Timmy Cale was in an offside position. It deflected off him after a Bratton shot went in past Lawrence Thomas, and it was awarded. It was no, it was awarded as a goal. It was awarded as a goal. So, uh, so City really having. I mean, maybe it was all about deflecting from the loss or whatever it may be. Sometimes coaches do that, but generally, you know, they. They got the benefit of one early in the year. That one there, I think, was probably uh, a little bit greyer on the weekend. Uh, but, you know, they've was just sort of accepted and move on now. How is Michael Valcanis going? Great question. I think, uh, you know, he's going to be really tested now. I mean, it's got seven first-team players are out this week with yellow card and or injury. Uh, you know... Uh, you know, but we're talking about the likes of Fornaroli and 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 Brandan and and Kale and Jacobson and these sort of players are the backbone of this team. Now, if he wants this job, he now has to try to manufacture a win against the rampant Brisbane at the moment, who were fantastic against Sydney last week, and they should have won that game. I felt against Sydney, and they're they're really running right at the moment. Uh, Brisbane, it, with the way they're playing, not necessarily scoring a lot of goals, but the way they're playing, and they're very playing competitive. against Shanghai tonight. Yeah, yeah, they're in Shanghai tonight. But I think t- uh, John Aloisi's left home and home, and he's uh, there's a few other plays he's resting. So I think Theo's uh, left at home also. So he's balancing that squad out well. So it's a huge challenge for. City at the moment, and to, to lose badly to Brisbane on Saturday night, irrespective of the fact that they're missing seven first-team players, that's a test for Volcanus and his assistant coaches. You want this job? You're going to have to try and manufacture a win here. At uh, 13 to 3, let's speak to Alex in Melton on 1116 SEN. G'day, Alex. Good afternoon, Francis. Good afternoon, Diego. How are you, mate? I want to let everyone know that um, there is a free-to-air game on Friday night on the SBS, and, um, and also Channel 9 recently showed some of the World Cup qualifiers as well. Yeah, the problem, Alex, with SBS is they've made it pretty clear that they're not caring too much yeah. about it. They're, they're, never, they're investing absolutely zero in yeah. that presentation. So yeah. they're not attracting people. They're not inviting you into the yeah, tent. Not at all. This is, it has to be on the Channel 9, Channel 7 or Channel 10. It just has to be. Uh, and if it's not, well, we're not just getting, we're not getting the value. It's been made really clear. It's that, been an unhappy yeah. reunion between uh, the, the biggest, the peak body of the sport yeah. and SBS over the, the last three or so years. It and just as, hasn't worked And out. as much as we grew up being part of the SBS generation, Francis, it never, ever resonated with mainstream sports lovers. If you want to introduce the game of football, they're not going to go to SBS to watch it. Uh, getting a few text messages through. Yuckerson uh, has been training. He'll play, seems okay, to great. be the word, which is important. Yeah. Uh, Vangel in Kingsbury, Hello. Hello, how are you? We're well. How um, I'm first time caller. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask Diego um, about that offside decision. Everyone keeps making it uh, like a big deal, but uh, the first point of contact when he's crossed it in, it was offside, wasn't it? 
Yeah, but uh, it, it, it could be... Well, the referee obviously deemed as passive offside, as a, as a, a bloke who might have been in an offside position but not influencing play. Wasn't active in the play. Yeah, so and that's, that's, the, that's this... In, in football, one of the things with football is very little interpretation that's needed by referees. They have to referee almost by fact or what they see. Uh, but that one there is is all. It's a it's a perplexing at times. But I thought the referee got the right decision. Uh, a couple of things we should get through before we finish up. Uh, Dean Bazanis will be facing a mm. a hearing. Uh, the Melbourne City goalkeeper for comments he made to Bessar Barish. I think that's set down for tonight. tonight? Yeah. Yes, he's flying up the Sydney for that. Uh, what are we expecting? Oh uh, look, uh, you know, if well, he, it was alleged that he called uh, Barish a gypsy, and uh, that. I'd be surprised if that wasn't deemed some sort of racial sort of comic, given he's from Kosovo, and that's what you—that's what a lot of people have been called uh, in a negative sort of way. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, this, it's up to five games. You can get five games for this. So, um, and you know, but just—it's amazing how people can lose their heads so much in this professional era when they're so educated, and he still feels in front of everyone because you can even—I mean, they said they caught it on. Fox Sports, uh, you know, audio, but you can actually read his lips. Yeah, and the other thing about it was that they got it so badly wrong mm. in a previous case, which involved Brendan Santalab and Ali Bass, was it, in, at Sydney FC, and they completely botched that particular yeah. racial vilification case up. So are they handling it better this time? Yeah, I think you got more evidence this time because you actually could see, you got the audio and you can see what Bazana said. And I'm not sure whether they had actually any evidence it was almost uh, Elia Bass was just if you saw him after the game, but uh, from memory, Mate, he was interviewed he was, straight after the game. And he accused and him of Fox Sports, absolutely, yeah. but there was no evidence, so I think that was really hard to prove. So we'll watch that one pretty closely. Mm. Hey, oh, offshore, just an interesting one uh, that we need to keep an eye on. Real Madrid uh, <laughs> are threatening. This is the latest incarnation of the threat for a European Super League. Yeah, on they're the saying we're going to walk away from the league, we're going to join up with the heavy hitters, and you know, bugger the Champions League off. We'll just yeah. set up a, a league of super clubs. Yeah, and this, by the way, would have been talked about for a long time. So these super clubs have already been, this is not something new. Uh, but, you know, it seems like Real Madrid at the moment taking every opportunity in, in the La Liga to be able to say how bad it is and they, were, they need to move on. On the weekend, they called off a game against Celta Vigo because uh, there was storm damage to the Celta's, uh, Celta Vigo's uh, stadium and they called off the game and, and Real Madrid said, this is unbelievable. They're rescheduling the game towards the end of the season when they've got three games in a week and they could be potentially three big games uh, for Champions League and so forth. And they're really upset about that. So they're using that as an excuse to get this on the agenda again. Um, you know, I don't, if I had more time, I'd love to talk about what this might do to the game worldwide. What, you know, how would this change football worldwide? Having a European Super League in the mecca of football... Uh, you know, suddenly, what would that do to all the other leagues? Uh, would they be relevant anymore? Would they just be feeder leagues? And if there's no promotion and relegation, would it be the end for those leagues? And every, everything, all eyeballs will be on the Super League. Yeah, it would be a disaster, I feel, mm. because it, what it will do is also diminish the status of competitions that are, are produce great football. And uh, it, it's purely self-interest for the big corporates or the uh, individual mega-wealthy owners of those particular clubs who are looking at for their own interest, not the interest of, of the game in general. So, of Real Madrid, yeah. PSG, Arsenal, Manchester Barcelona, United City, yeah, Barcelona, all, yeah, all Bayern Munich, yep. all just walked away from their responsibility to their games domestically. That's not good for the game. Well, That's a disaster. Yeah, I wonder whether someone like a Manchester United, for example, they're, they're listed on the stock exchange, whether, you know, it's... It, 
the obligation is on them to go and chase this to get maximum amount for their share price, and you know, uh, maybe they're encumbered to do that. So this is a this is the issue that uh, sports got now. It's become so commercial, such an industry, uh, and uh, and they just see the dollar signs. A lot of them are judged. A lot of people who run these clubs are judged on the turnover. I think uh, that's the only prize they yeah. work at Arsenal. <laughs> well, man, you a profit because we're not winning any trophies. Well, when they're talking about man, you not being as, as successful as they should be, they talk about well, we turned over five hundred and fifty million pound, you know, and that's a record in world football in the last twelve months. So we should talk about United just briefly uh, because uh, Zlatan, mm. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the extraordinary Swede, has uh, set up uh, set another record. Thirty five years old, he scored fifteen goals in the EPL so far this season. No other player's done that at that age in the. EPL in the history of the EPL. So it just shows, you know, uh, what a magnificent football. He started off like a house on fire at the start of the year. Middle of the season, had a bit of a dull spot and we thought it was over for him. But, geez, he's just come out and uh, playing great football. And he He's and, got one more season left in him at uh, uh, Old Trafford. It's funny, his, his manager's already, his agent's already come out and said, oh, we're not sure whether we're going to be here. So I think that's all about, you know, should we start negotiating now for another contract? How many clubs? You, let's go through his, his, his list of clubs. Wherever he goes, he tends to win a big trophy. Oh, it? yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Barcelona didn't have a happy time under no. Pep Guardiola there. And I think he had a down period at Inter in one season. Uh, but I think that might have been due to injury because he loved his time in Italy generally. But it was at Juventus, into Milan, Barcelona, Ajax, PSG, uh, PSG uh, and scored more than 20 goals. Most I think there's only been two seasons where he didn't score more, t- more than 20 goals in a season. So the guy's a legend. Uh, I don't know whether, I'm not quite sure, maybe because he hasn't succeeded with Sweden in, in uh, international football as much. Uh, that's probably why he's not probably regarded up there as the, with the Messis and the Ronaldos of this world. But, geez, he's a, he's a great player at 35. He just seems to be loving it in the EPL right uh, now. KPAX and Carlton's telling us that there's a great Zlatan documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Probably no, no, basically, but narrated by Zlatan yeah, himself. Because yeah, yes. he does like to talk about himself. He does Absolutely. have a great sense of humour about himself. Yeah. Apparently, um, with his wife's birthday just recently, he said, I, my present to her was me. <laughs> she doesn't need anything else. doesn't need She has Zlatan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Indeed she does. Yeah. Good on you, Carlos. I look forward to this weekend's action for, for a Melbourne victory. It's the death trip. It's up to Newcastle where they yeah. never win. And for City, it's uh, the no-names versus the Brisbane Raw because they've got no players. I know. it's going to be. This is really an interesting week. And uh, we've got the two hours of talk back on Saturday night after it all. So it'll be interesting to see what the victory in the City fans think. Put on the crash helmet, my friend. <laughs> Carlos Alberto Diego with us each Wednesday to talk the World Game here on 1116 SEN.